happens when you put joy, superheroes, and a love of all things good and holy together? You get the Guardians of Virtue podcast, designed for saints who want to fight for the most precious of all gifts of our time, virtue. Join your host, Elisa Lindsay Johnson, that's me, as I discover everyday heroes who all have one thing in common, a desire to fight as Guardians of Virtue. For God, freedom, and our families, let's discover together what it really means to be a guardian of virtue. Hello, what's up you guys? Today I am excited to introduce to you the person I interviewed for this interview. Her name is Becky Squire, and I think she is a guardian of truth. Becky is a wife, mother, writer, runner, and a seminary teacher. Her husband is her soulmate and complete opposite of her in almost every way. She has four amazing kids that keeps her humble and tired, and she loves running up and down the mountains in northern Utah. She loves helping others learn how to share the gospel online in easy and effective ways. She's also an editor of Latter-day Women magazine, and she has been published in the Enzyme, LDS Living, The Today Show, and a variety of other media websites, and have been a guest on several family-oriented podcasts. She also is an expert in spiritual gifts and speaks about that. Uh, when she has speaking engagements. And it was really fun to talk to her about what it means to be a guardian of truth. Enjoy! Thank you, Becky, for joining me today. I've been really excited to do this interview with you. Um, so I... Thank have, you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I've done kind of a deep dive in your Instagram posts and notice that you've been sharing the gospel in some form or another <laughs> since 2016, which I think is pretty awesome. I, I've noticed a lot of women yeah. need to do that more, but to have that kind of longevity and, you know, starting kind of when Instagram really became popular and yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, uh, so in the last seven years on social media, what are, um, how have you seen the general respect for truth uh, change? And I guess let me let me go ahead and say that um, I really think that you are a guardian of truth. On this podcast, I interview people who are guardians of specific virtues because I feel like um, there's so much doom and gloom in the world that it's important to look for the good. And um, there are so many good people that do amazing things out there. And you are a guardian of truth. You always share truth online and I love that. So how have you seen how have you seen the respect for truth change over the years? Well, I don't know if I so much paid attention to it when I first started. Um, I have just always really loved to share the gospel. And I think the reason I started my Instagram account, one of the reasons was because um, I have always felt like I was called to be a missionary but I didn't serve a full-time mission. And, um, and not that I have regret about that because 
the reason why was because I got married to my wonderful husband and I don't regret any part of that. But, um, but I, I did always have that desire to go out and share the gospel because I think it, it's always was hard for me when I was like a teenager, especially, um, to, to share the gospel, like in person, (laughs) um, that was not my thing, but, but I knew that, you know, that it's as children of, of God and, um, the house of Israel and everything, like it's our responsibility to share the gospel. And so I always felt kind of guilty, like, well, I'm, I'm not really doing it. I don't feel comfortable doing it in person. I don't feel comfortable going to my neighbor's house and asking them to come to church and things like that. And so, um, Anyway, years later, after I was married, had kids, um, it was like when blogging was really big. And I had a family blog. And um, I think it was Elder um, Ballard, President Ballard now, um, I'm pretty sure who who gave a talk. This is probably back in like 2007, 2008-ish time, maybe. Um, and he talked about blogging. And, you know, I I think that it was kind of like a self-conscious thing like, oh, am I spending too much time online and, and writing blog posts and looking at friends' blogs and stuff. But he talked about how blogging is important and can be a tool used for sharing the gospel. And that just really hit me so hard. And so then I started using my blog. This is before Instagram. Um, and I just thought, you know what, I actually feel really comfortable sharing the gospel online. That's totally my jam. In person, it's scary for me but online it's my jam. And so I started doing it on my blog and then Instagram, you know, became popular. And, and then, so it just kind of naturally started to share it on Instagram. Um, but I, if you did a deep dive in my Instagram, you probably saw that I talked a lot about marriage and I, I had like a marriage blog and um, I don't even know why exactly. I just, I really loved like marriage tips and sharing them. And anyway, um, but after a few years of that, I just kind of realized, like, that's not really my passion, writing about marriage. It's fine, but it wasn't, it didn't like, you know, set me on fire, the passion fire. And so, um, and so I just decided I'm just going to totally switch, totally start just sharing about the gospel. And, um, and that's probably when I really noticed that other people online were sharing, like, have truth. And, and I would come across things, you know, that people would say, hi, I'm a member of the church. And this is what I believe, but it wasn't what the church taught. And so I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with sharing what you believe, but, but you can't tie it to the church when it's different than the church, what the church teaches. That makes sense. And so I saw a lot of that. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to correct those truths. And, and not that I call anybody out or anything, but, um, but if these half truths are being taught, then, you know, what I'm going to teach the full truth. Yeah. Um, what are some half truths that you have noticed over the years that you felt like you need to share the truth about? Um, there's a long list and, <laughs> um, and it can be quite controversial, but the one that I, a popular one that I did, um, I don't know, months ago, maybe it was up to a year ago. I don't remember. Um, but I came across a girl again, who, you know, was saying how she was a member of the church. So she was tying herself to the church. And then she was talking about garments and how it's okay if you don't wear garments um, all day, every day. And it's okay if you go to a photo shoot and don't wear them. Like, it's okay. Don't beat yourself up about not wearing your garments. And 
And there's just so many nuances to that, you know, like, of course, don't beat yourself up if you're not wearing your garments. We don't want that. Um, and, and if you have questions or if you don't feel worthy to wear them, then, you know, there's, there's just a lot to it, but she didn't have the authority to tell people that. And that's the difference. If people are, I find that people are seeking um, answers online for truth or for questions that influencers don't have the authority to tell them. Um, so, so not that I was judging her for not wearing garments and I'm not judging anybody for not wearing garments, but let's not seek answers to those questions from influencers. Let's go to the right sources. And so that was one example was garments. Um, another hot topic was, um, following the prophet and, um, and how there's a lot of people out there. It shouldn't be right. Like, I feel like like it shouldn't be, but I feel like it shouldn't be either, but, um, but there are so many out there teaching people online that you can pick and choose what commandments you follow and that the prophet doesn't always speak for God and things like that. And that's just not true. And so, um, so like I said, I, I don't like calling anybody out, but I'm just going to share the full truth. I feel like that happened a lot, especially during COVID with all of this stuff. I feel like, um, People talking about personal revelation versus the prophet was a big thing. And it kind of rubbed yeah. me in a way. I mean, of course, personal revelation is important, but you have to make sure it aligns with the prophet. Yeah. And thank goodness for Elder Renlund's talk, because I feel like I feel like it explained a lot of things better than I ever could. Um, and I hope I know that there's people out there that didn't like the talk. And so they're choosing not to listen to it. But I hope that it was able to touch many people's hearts and help them realize like, Oh, this is actually what personal revelation is. Yep. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned this talk because I really liked this part that you mentioned about Nephi and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And, um, like he, Nephi wouldn't have wanted to kill somebody. So like for him to have that revelation, that was not something that he desired. And so it was easy for him to figure out that it was, in fact, a commandment (laughs) and stuff for him. Yeah, I appreciated that one, too, because that um, that's something that that people like to comment a lot on my posts and they bring that up. Well, what about Nephi? Um, And I never really knew, like, what exactly to say. I actually, like, researched it a lot and thought about it, but I could never really put it into words that would pacify anybody, which it probably what Elder Renlund said isn't going to pacify them either, but I really liked his explanation. It helped me. Yeah, me too. And uh, it helped me kind of have a, um, a formula for what I can do, right? Because uh, there's always going to be questions and things I ask Heavenly Father to have or, you know, blessings or whatever that I want. And so I'm mm-hmm. really looking for the answer of yes, but that might not be the answer. And so I need to be very careful, you know. Yeah. With how I ask or or make sure that I'm doing everything else I'm supposed to. So when I'm asked, you know, I'm listening to the right answer because it's not just the mm-hmm. Holy Ghost that's trying yeah. to this. <laughs> um, yeah, and I love how he said, like, why are you seeking revelation for things that have already been revealed? <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk um, about general conference then. Um, I 
was going to ask you what major truth bomb truth bombs you noticed from the last general conference were, and that's one of them. But did you notice anything else that really stood out to you that kind of made you, you know, <laughs> shout for his? Yeah. <laughs> It, yeah, absolutely. It was really funny because um, during, during Elder Renlund's talk, um, I was getting like dozens and dozens of DMs on Instagram. Um, and it was just so funny, like, hey, I totally thought of you. I totally thought of you. And he's saying this and, and which made me feel good. I was like, that's great. I'm glad that I'm, you know, coming across to, to some of you. But um, I also really liked Pearson's talk. And um, he, his wasn't, wasn't really about personal revelation, but he, it was about being willing and, and what are we willing to do? Um, but I, and I can't remember the exact quote, but he like talked about influencers specifically um, just for a small part of his talk. But he, he said like, basically what I um, said earlier is we need to stop seeking validation from influencers on important gospel revelation and topics. Um, and so I really like that he kind of called out that as well. Um, that was kind of like a mic drop moment for me. Right. I'm writing notes down because on my blog that I just started, I'm writing things that I learned from people I interviewed. So oh, a good thought that you had um, about not, which you said earlier about not seeking, mm-hmm. uh, seeking validation from people, but from, um, yeah. um, it's, in that from that talk and and um just being willing to to do what the lord asks us to do that you know how everyone chooses a word mm-hmm. or, or scripture or whatever uh i was watching a video with jesus christ um i don't remember what instance what story it was i think maybe okay it's my favorite story it's when he's walking to go um help Jairus, I think, uh, with his daughter, because his daughter is sick. Mm-hmm. And um, he, I think this is when it happens, but he's walking um, the woman with an issue of blood mm-hmm. touches his garment. He kind of stops and um, and it's like, okay, what happened? Mm-hmm. And, and stuff. And, um, and then he stopped long enough to just tell her that her faith made her whole and stuff and continue on, on his way. But I, I, I feel like every instance in his life every time he stopped to help somebody he was being interrupted he was mm-hmm. on his way somewhere else to do something else and uh and so my my word for the year is to be not be interruptible or be interruptible you know because like mm-hmm. that's what the savior would do and that requires a willingness to stop and to do yeah. when you feel like you need to and so um yeah that taught them too okay so it sounds like you were you're been a member of the church your whole life yeah um so people that are converted later in life mm-hmm. have conversion stories but i feel like even members of the church I and mean, we have to gain our testimony at some point so what is your conversion story um i definitely there definitely was not one big defining moment for me um but i remember in my senior year of high school um i think that's really when it started, but it was very gradual too. Um, but I think my senior year of high school is when it really started. And I, I just kind of clung to the gospel because I felt like, like I did not do well in school. I didn't, I don't have like the academic brain, the, the, um, 
<laughs> I can't even think of the word, but just like the typical, the typical stereotypical, I guess I should say, academic brain. Um, I'm definitely more right brained and artsy and creative and that type of thing. Anyway, so I just really didn't do well in school. I didn't try very hard. I didn't really go to school. <laughs> and, um, and so it was hard because, you know, my grades weren't great. I was always getting in trouble, I felt like. And so, um, and so like, basically, in all other aspects of my life, I felt like I was a failure. Mm-hmm. but um, but not my testimony and and in the gospel. I felt like that was the one thing that I felt strong in. And, and I think because of that, I continued to do the things that I was asked to do, and that helped me stay strong. Um, anyways, so, so I remember my senior year um, reading the Book of Mormon um, all the way through, and maybe a couple times. Like, I really lived in the Book of Mormon my senior year. And just really um, gaining a testimony of that and feeling it, feeling the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon for myself. And as I have read it over and over again, since then, um, the Book of Mormon just, my testimony just grows every single time that I read it. And I'm really truly amazed at the you know, I've read it so many times, but the things that I continue to learn that I didn't notice the last time I read it, and like really how this ancient book, I mean, they tell you, the church tells you, and the Book of Mormon tells you that it's written for our time. Um, But I always just kind of was like, oh, that's just something that they say or whatever. But it truly is written for our time. And I'm just amazed at the things that um, when I read the Book of Mormon, the things that it helps me with in my life. And so I think, um, like I said, gradually through my life, as I've read the Book of Mormon, I've been converted more and more. Yeah, I agree. The, um, it's been interesting, especially when we studied the Book of Mormon in a couple of me, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. how much things were lining up with what yeah. was going on in our country and, and in the world. Mm-hmm. And that it was easier to liken the scriptures to us. And yeah. uh, I, my favorite part of the Book of Mormon, which might surprise a lot of people, well, I guess not if they've listened to the podcast, but are the war chapters in Alma. And mm-hmm. um, that's those chapters always growing up, people were like, I don't know why they're there. They're seems mm-hmm. kind of like a waste. But um, mm-hmm. Captain Moroni is one of my heroes. Yeah. And, and he is such a good example of what it means to fortify a group of people. And... Um, and what it means to stay strong and do the things that are necessary. Even mm-hmm. I, I think about, you know, what, since I'm a wife, right. And I have children, like what did his wife experience having him gone all the time? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like what did his children see? We know that one of his sons took his place when he retired. Mm-hmm. But like there are just so many things that we can equate to from his story and uh, especially what we can do to like fortify our families. Like he didn't stop. He was always, yeah. always, always working to make sure that that the people were strong and that they were protected. And when that didn't work, he made it better. Like mm-hmm. the, the mountains weren't high enough, then okay, let's add some stakes or whatever. But he never stopped. So yeah, yeah. the Book of Mormon is just amazing. Yeah. I'm um in the Book of Ether right now and all of Moroni's like side notes are so interesting mm-hmm. and, and I always feel super sad for him in Mormon because I, I know 
no wonder, no wonder Moroni had such a beautiful, like, was able to, you know, bring the book of, like, help the restoration happen because mm-hmm. he had to yeah. deal through so much hardness. So, yeah, absolutely. The book of Mormonism. Um, let's see. Okay, so this one I thought was so cool. I, um, what one of my favorite parables is the one of the talents. I think that we're all given talents, um, and and when we use them, we're blessed. And and to me, spiritual gifts are talents. And you work mm-hmm. a lot with people to help them see their spiritual gifts. How did how did that work come about? Like, what what made you decide to to start that work? And um, what have you see like what what do you think your spiritual gifts are? I know what my spiritual gifts are, <laughs> um, but I started teaching about spiritual gifts um, maybe a couple of years ago. And I honestly don't remember exactly how or why I started. Um, but the best I can remember is that I was just sharing, you know, just like random topics of the gospel. And I shared something about spiritual gifts, I think. And I remember being amazed at how um, it just did the reaction people had to it and the questions that especially women had about it. And, and a lot of them saying, I don't have any spiritual gifts or I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. And I remember hearing that so much thinking, no, that's absolutely false. <laughs> Let's help you figure out what your spiritual gifts are. Um, and so I started posting about it a little bit more. And every time still to this day, every time I post about it, um, it, it, it they're just really popular and they, I get a lot of questions. And um, so so I, yeah, I just started posting more and more about it. Um, and then I created a few months ago, um, the spiritual gift quiz, and that has been so popular and it's just an easy, have you taken it? It's just an easy eight question quiz. Um, but it tells you what one of your spiritual gifts are. So, and I, and I have so many resources on my website, um, to help people discover what their spiritual gifts are. My one of my spiritual gifts that I've always known I had was faith, mm-hmm. um, just faith and believing. I just have, I just have a really easy time having faith and believing um, the gospel. I, and, and it's not just blind faith. I feel it and I've always felt it. And so that's one of them. Another one is I've been told a lot that I have a good um, listening ear, that I am empathetic and sympathetic and I can just sit down and, and people just <laughs> see, and I've noticed this over the last couple of years that people seem to be drawn to me and want to tell me their stories and their problems. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like it's a burden and I try to remember that it's a gift and not, and it shouldn't be a burden when I'm carrying all of these, you know, things for people. Um, but I truly do love to just talk to people and get to know them and listen to them. And not that I feel like I can help or that I have good advice necessarily, but that I can just listen. And I think that's comforting for a lot of people. Yeah. I think um, often when people share their burdens like that, they don't always want an answer or like the problem solved. I think there's a lot of power in just two. So there absolutely is. Yeah. That's, that's an awesome gift to have and to be a good listener too. Is, you must be mm-hmm. if people come to you. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, let's see. Um, okay. This one's kind of selfish. <laughs> I saw that you speak, you like you're a speaker mm-hmm. and I, yeah. I, um, 
I have this distinct memory when I was a child or teenager. Um, Michael Ballum, I think was his name, came to our state and he he did this musical fireside. I'm a pianist by trade. I teach piano. And oh, um, cool. I just thought that was the most amazing thing and to be able to do like this fireside and talk about Jesus and also play the piano about Jesus and that would just be the best thing ever. And so when I saw that you're a speaker, I wanted to talk to you about that because I think that's sure. part of my dream. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just wanted to see like, what is it like to be a speaker? What are some experiences you've had with that and all that? Um, well, I just have to tell you that I can totally relate because I remember being a teenager too. And I don't remember who it was um, or even where I was. I think I was at a youth conference, like a big multi-stake youth conference. And there was this motivational speaker that came. It wasn't a musical fireside or anything, but he, he was just like a motivational speaker. And he was so happy and um, truly like motivational. And the teenagers and me, like we loved him. And I just thought, like, like I thought that was a job. And I know, I know like people do get paid sometimes to speak, um, especially outside of the church. But I remember thinking like, that must be his, full-time job. And, and now looking back, I'm like, no, that probably wasn't a full-time <laughs> job. But I remember thinking that and thinking like, I want that job. Like that's, I want to have that job and just go around and make people happy and speak to them. And so, um, so that, yeah, that was always kind of like in the back of my mind. Um, and then just a few years ago, I, as I started blogging more and, and kind of putting myself out there on Instagram, um, I, I saw, you know, other people, especially within the church, like going around and speaking. And I was like, how do I do that? How do I? And so I'm going to give you a tip. I'm going to give you some tips. <laughs> this is what this is what I did. I um, started calling myself a speaker. That's probably the, the biggest tip. I just started calling myself was that. that I put it on my. Like, yeah. Heck yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, people are going to see this and they're going to be like, what the heck is she talking about? She's not a speaker and just, but they don't care. They don't. And they're probably not even going to notice, honestly, (laughs) but I put it on my Instagram bio first, um, just speaker, like not motivational speaker or anything, but just Becky Squire speaker, uh, author. Um, well, I guess I wasn't an author yet, but, and so I was just like, I'm just going to put it out there and like nothing happened immediately. But um, I remember coming across a online summit that was being produced, um, that was going to be produced in a few months. And I just went to their website and it was like, there was a part that said that they were looking for speakers. And so I was like, oh, I'm not going to get chosen, but I'm just going to fill out this application and put my name out there. And they ended up calling me back and had me speak. It was just virtual. So I didn't like go anywhere and speak, but, um, but it was it was really cool experience. And that, you know, got me in front of a lot of other people. And so that's just kind of how it started. And, um, and then, but I I would also say the other biggest thing that, that happened for me is I started posting and this was really scary too. I started posting on Instagram. um, Like it was, I think in April one year. And I, I said, you know, I am available to come speak to young women's camps and relief society activities. So if you'd like to book me, just, you know, send me a message, send me an email, here's what to do if you'd like me. And I got so many messages. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it helps to have a specific message. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, 
spiritual gifts was mine. And, and I said, I can come teach your young women about how to discover their spiritual gifts. I can come teach your Relief Society. And um, I did a couple of posts like that. And yeah, I got booked for the summer. Like, so call yourself a speaker and people are going to say, oh, okay, she's a speaker. They're not going to say, what is she talking about? Yeah. But I mean, I guess though, like that's what I did with podcasting, right? Just called myself a podcaster and here I am. Exactly. So yeah, I would choose like a specific message. I have three now Mm -hmm. um, on my website. Like if you go to book me to speak, I really have like three that you can choose from. Um, But I have found I love speaking in person is definitely better than anything else. But I have found that it's really, really hard to leave my family. Um, And, you know, and so when I first started getting calls, like I would say yes to everything. But then I was, I was missing a lot. And it it wasn't, it was maybe like once a week, maybe not even that. Um, Over the summer is busier. Mm -hmm. But so now I just, I really like have to start saying no a lot because if, if, if it's traveling even like 20 miles away, that just takes a lot of time away from my family. And, you know, so I really am like, well, if you're close and it works with my schedule perfectly, then yes, I will come speak. Otherwise, um, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, thank you for telling me about all that. <laughs> yeah, of course. And anyone else out there that wants to do that, I, I get a lot of messages too from women saying, I want to be a speaker. How do you do it? And so this yeah. is for all of you that want to do that. And I get I get a, a lot of blank stares from friends or family because like doing that kind of stuff scares a lot of people. And and I yeah. definitely have been in that spot. But when you perform piano mm-hmm. for years and years and years, like it gets easier mm-hmm. to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, be here. What is your favorite way to share the gospel online? Obviously through Instagram, but um and I've noticed you do a lot of reels now that reels are yeah. popular. So I guess instead of like what's your favorite way to share it, what's your favorite gospel truth that you've been talking about lately? Um so I try to I try to do a lot of different topics, um, but they usually always come back to um not seeking validation from influencers on gospel topics. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is my favorite just because it's so easy. Like I get lost in it too. Um, it's just so easy to, you have these questions in your mind, right? And they're probably like subconscious questions. So you're not necessarily going to Google or your scriptures or anything seeking answers because it's subconscious. But when you're scrolling on Instagram and someone talks about that, and you say to yourself, oh, yeah, I've had that question. And this person is talking about it. So that's all I need. Right. Um, it can just, it, I, like I said, it, I feel like people aren't necessarily doing it on purpose. But we just have to be more aware of it and more aware of the influence that they actually have on us. And also, um, this people probably won't like this, but <laughs> I feel like there are, um, there are like LDS celebrities and I've even seen people quote them in sacrament meeting um, and, and say, you know, say things like, oh, or, or in Relief Society lessons and say things like, oh, well, so-and-so said this, so it must be true. Well, no, they're, they're LDS celebrities and they have a lot of influence and maybe even what they're saying is good, but they're not representatives of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
yeah. right? You have to go to the prophet and to the apostles and to those who have actually been ordained and set apart um, to teach those truths. And it doesn't matter how many books you write or how many podcasts listeners you have, um, or even like what you're sharing, if it's true or not, as listeners and as, um, you know, people consuming content, we just have to be aware that just because they say something doesn't mean that it's true. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. And, uh... and, and like I said, it might be, I'm not saying that what they post is necessarily bad, but we just have to remember that those aren't the right sources to seek that truth. Well, and a lot of, I mean, they could, most of what they post could be good, like, and true. Yeah. And then there could just be like one <laughs> there that's not. And and I say the same thing about myself. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of like hate comments saying, well, what about you? You're, aren't you an influencer? I said, yeah, I am. So take what I say with a grain of salt because I'm not an set apart representative of the church. Right, right. Okay. So to finish out, this awesome interview, I asked two questions of all my interviewees. The first question is, what story in Jesus Christ's life um, illustrates the fact that he was a guardian of truth? Um, I was thinking about that question, and I think like you could take any story from his life because he that's what he did. Mm-hmm. But my favorite is, I think, because I kind of experienced the same thing um, online, is like when the Pharisees try to catch him in his own words, in his own teachings. Um, but of course they can't. And he always says something that they're not expecting or, you know, like he just, he is the law, right? And so what he says is the law and it might be different than what the law of Moses was or what they were taught. But um, but I just love how like they try to catch him and it just never works and they make him mad. Not that I enjoy making people mad, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I just, I just can kind of relate to like people who try to um, confuse what I said or take it out of context. And anyways, so yeah, I like that. Those several stories of that in, in the new Testament. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Last question. If you could pick anyone in the history of time, past or present, who you think is a guardian of truth. Because I like I like to pay it forward here. I like to talk about more people that are good. So if you could think of anyone who's a guardian of truth, who would that be and why? Um, I would love to sit down. This is this is like so cliche, but I am not on a bandwagon. I've always felt like this. Um, but I would love to sit down with Elder Holland mm. and and ask him like, because he's just so bold. Um, and I love being bold as well, but I always feel like I probably don't have like the tact and, and some people don't think he has tact either, I guess. <laughs> so you're going to make people mad no matter what, but, um, I just, I always just love what he says cause he's so bold, but I don't think he's offending at all offensive. Um, and I think, you know, I just love that he takes on topics that are hard, um, but he always shares such truth and it just really like speaks to me every time. So I would love, I would love that. And he actually used to serve back in um, like 1970. He served on the state council with my dad. And so oh. he and my, my dad like knew each other, yeah. you know, 50 years, has it been 50 years, 50 years ago. Wow. Um, but I would love to meet him. Yeah. I feel like Elder Holland can make you feel like you need to repent, but 
but also make you feel like you're doing such a good job and that you're loved yeah. all at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. Um, well, thank you for joining me on this podcast. I really appreciate you giving me your time. Oh, of course. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Guardians of Virtue podcast. Please don't forget to give us a follow. And if you have time, please leave a review. Peace out, dudes.